This is the Trip Doctor Podcast. I'm Evan Jordan. What do Iceland, New Zealand, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Mount Airy, North Carolina all have in common? They're all popular film tourism sites. A big portion of Game of Thrones was filmed in Iceland, Lord of the Rings films were shot in New Zealand, Breaking Bad was filmed in Albuquerque, and Mount Airy has transformed itself into Mayberry from the Andy Griffith Show. Film-induced travel is big business, and a lot of destinations across the globe are cashing in. How do you know which ones are legitimate and which ones are not being entirely truthful about their silver screen pedigree? My guest today is Dr. Stephanie Benjamin, an assistant professor at the University of Tennessee. She's been researching film-induced tourism for the past several years and has some great tips for finding the real deal and being a good tourist if you want to check out the filming locations of your favorite movie or TV show. But one of the crazy stories in terms of being a good tourist versus not being a good film tourist um, is that this woman who owns the house, she had to physically put up a gate because she had people going, stealing rocks from her front yard, selling on eBay. There's an episode where Walter throws a pizza up on the roof, mm-hmm. and they had a tourist coming there and trying to recreate that Chuck scene. Chucking pizzas? Yeah. And so Vince Gilligan had to go on NPR, you know, on different podcasts, and like, listen, I love that you guys are excited about Breaking Bad, but you have to stop doing stop this. Stop throwing pizzas on this lady's roof. But she's part of the tour, so she gets some kickback with okay. the RV tour, and they stop at her house, but... Um, So tell me a little bit about uh, your favorite thing in travel. Like, what's your favorite part of travel? Uh, Getting out of my house. (laughs) As simple as that may sound. Um, You know, there's... I've definitely evolved as, you know, we all do. But from thinking of vacations of when I took with families to vacations that I take now, I I feel like I'm very different. Um, But in terms of what I'm excited about with traveling is... Uh, usually I'm going to meet friends and family and that's always fun but if possible uh, dining and eating new cuisines uh, going on different adventures uh, just really understanding the community to which I'm visiting and exploring and um, just seeing it firsthand from their perspective if I'm allowed into that space so you got a lot of favorites a lot of favorites (laughs) Yeah. Mine is mine's definitely the food portion, and Ooh, I've talked yeah. about that a lot, but it's, man, food is the best. Food is the best. Um, it's not so great when you have a sensitive stomach, so you have to be, as a traveler, be prepared. You never know which what's going to happen. Yep, um, especially when you're eating things that you wouldn't normally be exactly. eating. Or ice or water, right? Oh, um, yeah. So, from your perspective, what's, the, what's your favorite place you've ever been? I know it, change, it changes over time, right? Like, Ugh. people ask me this, and I'm like, well... Dollywood? That's it no. Uh, Dollywood, no. Uh, no no offense to Dolly, Parton, and her team, but uh, no thank you. Um, you know, my favorite place, you know, I could just say recently, uh, was actually, um, so we did a critical tourism studies conference last summer in Mallorca, Spain. Mm-hmm. But after that, two of my friends from the conference, we actually went to Barcelona. So we went at the end of June, but we hit a little bit of a cold spell. So it was 
wonderful. And for three tours and professors, we planned nothing. And it was fantastic. Is that like normal for you? Uh, Are you normally a planner or? Normally I am a planner. So I have an event planner background Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm type A. So I like to have things planned out, reservations made. But this time we were also exhausted. And um, usually, I don't know for you, but when I'm on vacation with my folks or friends, they're like, well, you're the tourism professional. Mm-hmm. You plan it out. I'm tired. I don't yeah. want to plan it out. So Also, we... just because we do research on tourism doesn't mean we're good at tra- exactly. planning trips. Exactly. I feel like that's a misconception that a lot of people We're have. not really in the industry, right? No. We study it, but we're not in it. Um, yeah, so uh, we went and it was just... We, we stayed, stayed at the Airbnb um, and just learned a lot from the folks who owned that um, little condo that we're at. Mm-hmm. And we just went to all the local spots and uh, we went to the one Gothic area. Uh, forgot the exact oh, like around the Sagrada Familia? Uh, beyond that. Okay. Yeah, but we did go to the Sagrada Familia. Was it go- I've never been, so. Okay. That was one thing we did plan for. So one of the, the folks I was with, she did get us tickets beforehand. Um, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. For me, it was way too many people. Mm. And um, I'm not big into churches or temples or religious places and spaces. So I was like, it's pretty, but I yeah. could have done not was doing it. Was it like packed with pilgrims? Lots of pilgrims. Okay. Yeah, just tons of pilgrims everywhere. Oh, I know Barcelona has, and this is something that a lot of tourism researchers have been discussing lately, is over-tourism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Barcelona is one of the places that everybody talks about as having an issue with over-tourism. So did you experience and that? And Airbnb. And Airbnbs, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Two, probably the two biggest issues that everybody's talking about right yep. now in tourism research are those two things. Yep. Did you experience that in other places, or was it just at the Sagrada Familia that you felt like it was a little bit too packed? No, it was um, most of the places around Barcelona. Um, we also saw handmade uh, signs that were... Uh, over some folks' uh, porches mm-hmm. or balconies, and in Spanish or in English, it translates to "tourists go home." Mm. Um, so it was, um, you know, it was it was definitely you could definitely feel the impact of tourism um, at Barcelona. But um, yeah, so you know, it was it was kind of like an odd sense to kind of be there knowing from what I know from my my research and then also being part of that mm-hmm. uh, it's a little guilt kind of component of it but we try to do things as locally as possible sure um, and but yeah it was still it was still impactful so does that affect like where you want to go in the future like where's your next big travel destination yeah and, and that's something too that I'm curious like why Barcelona so like, why is it because my brother went there after we did like what makes an area the next spot for over tourism we're seeing with with iceland mm-hmm. i've seen this maybe translates really easily into film induced tourism but um you know with iceland i know several uh, people who game of thrones that's one, yeah so that's one of my my projects that i'm working on right now is um uh, looking at game of thrones and the impact that film induced tourism has had on not only iceland but in parts of spain um parts of greenland um there's some other areas I'm blanking right now, but uh, there's an actual trail and real R-E-A-L locations compared to R-E-E-L location like that. So, uh, yeah, you know, it was, um, I'm just curious as to like what 
drives tourists and what makes it the next destination that's now overpopulated. Mm. And I blame the Real Housewives. I'm interested to hear your explanation. Uh, so it goes back to film, you know, television-induced tourism. So the Real Housewives, dependent whether it's Orange County, New York, whatever, they are always, one, planning parties or having parties for something. Uh, two, traveling to different destinations. And one of the destinations they visited was Iceland. Really? Yeah. So I don't know, um, this was said T. Terry a couple years ago, but there's this young gentleman who had a poster about reality TV and the influence of reality TV. No way. Um, with like um, uh, celebrity chefs in their restaurants and then mm-hmm. keeping up with the Kardashians. They're going to all these different restaurants. Sure. Uh, and then uh, one of the real housewives from Beverly Hills, she owns several restaurants in LA and that's attracting and she has a whole, it's called Pumper. There's some other show beyond that. that mm-hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But people are still flocking to these restaurants because of that celebrity status. Really? Yes. This is a this is an interesting area of research. So I mean, let's let's talk about it. How did you get into doing research on this area? Because clearly, you have a, a wealth of knowledge of all these tourism yes. places that have been affected by films and TV and yeah. whatever. So how did and, you get how did you get into that? Yeah. So um, it actually started uh, during my master's program. So I got my master's at uh, East Carolina mm-hmm. University in sustainable tourism, and I had the option to choose an online hospitality course or a human geography course i was like ah the online thing i've done it and i'm like whatever i'll try this human geography course and uh from that it was uh dr Derek alderman and uh one of his lectures was on film induced tourism and my head it literally exploded in the class because i grew up on movies and television a big pop culture nerd and so to fuse tourism and then film into the same space like I didn't know what to do with myself so I started sharing with him like all these other examples like with the Goonies house um, in terms of film tourism which I didn't think of that phrase ever before mm-hmm. so that's really where it started yeah most people probably don't know that that's even a thing film right. tourism and most people are film tourists and they don't even know it sure They're film induced tourists and there's different levels of them too um, and I'm going to blink because that's just where my brain is right now. But like a haphazard one, um, or serendip- it's called serendipitous tourist. Oh, where you just sort of happen upon... You just happen, oh, I didn't know this was filmed here. That's cool. Interesting. Or you see a plaque or uh, maybe a sign in a restaurant like, oh, uh, when Harry Met Sally was filmed here. Well, I didn't know that. That's neat. That happened to me. I lived in Charleston and we were driving, I forget where it was, and we went by a plantation house and we were like, oh, that's a plantation house from the movie The Patriot, mm-hmm. if you remember... Oh, maybe it was Savannah. One of those two places. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've been a haphazard film tourist and I didn't even know it. Yeah. Serendipitous. So yeah. Just kinda, oh, sorry. Serendipitous. I, I used haphazard before, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's interchangeable. Um, but it call, comes from Masionis, um, and he came up with these different uh, levels. And there's another mid-level. Um, essentially, uh, maybe you were in Miami and you kind of went out of your way to be like, oh, I know that this was filmed here and I want to go explore that. Mm-hmm. This is um, my favorite scene of Bad Boys 2. Exactly. I'm going to go check it out. Um, and then, I don't know why I picked Bad Boys 2 as an example. Why I'm not? pretty sure it happened in Miami. There was a lot of it that happened there's, in there's Miami. There's a lot of, lot of TV and film that <laughs> happened here. Uh, and then like the third one is like this adventurous or um, expert level where which is one that I was when I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, for example, Breaking Bad was filmed there. Mm-hmm. 
And so I went there specifically, one, for research, but two, to explore the film tourist locations and um, tours in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So you're going up, perhaps dressing as them, reenacting the scenes. So is this like... So you're going beyond that next level. Is there like a, just an RV in the desert? Or is it like Walter White's house? Or all of the above. All of those are available to visit? Yes. So I'll give it from uh, both a researcher's and a tourist point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Albuquerque, New Mexico specifically on their destination marketing organization website, their DMO website, they list and they advertise, um, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, the BR is, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, uh, they also list different tours you can take in Albuquerque. One of them is a walking tour. So they list the actual locations as to where Breaking Bad was filmed. And then Vince Gilligan, who's the creator and director of Breaking Bad and writer, he wanted Albuquerque to be like another character in the show. So a lot of the places that he has or mentions in the show are actual real places, real street names. Really? Yeah. So you can. And do he your, did that on purpose. He did that on purpose. Is this is that common among not directors really, or not that I've I've noticed. So this is kind of a unique thing in Albuquerque. Yeah. So for example, um, are you a Breaking Bad fan? I watched the first couple seasons, but okay. I sort of lost interest. So okay. I'm a fair, a semi Breaking Bad fan, I'll say. Well, do you know Los Pollos Hermanos, the restaurant? Yes, I do. Okay, so that's a real restaurant, but it's called Twisters. So we went on one of the tours. Um, so I took two tours there. So I took a bicycle tour. It's called Biking Bad because they couldn't, <laughs> they didn't have the rights to do anything beyond that, where we physically biked some of the locations around town, and then I took an RV tour, um, which they, this guy. Uh, Albuquerque native was like, dude, let's just buy this RV and we'll retrofit it and tourists will come and spend $75 a person and we'll go to this location. That's genius. And that's what he did. Um, and one of the locations is Twisters. And so in Twisters, they have all the signage that says Los Pollos Hermanos. So um, we went there, we went to the car wash and when... There's memorabilia there, the souvenirs. It's a real working car wash, the octopus place. Um, some of them, when we walked in, they said have an A one day, which is from the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual homes uh, are real places. One of them is Walter White's house, and which is really cool on Instagram, it's geotagged as Walter White's really? house. Do they have like a Pontiac Aztec sitting in the driveway, or no. it's just that? <laughs> but one of the crazy stories in terms of being a good tourist versus not being a good film tourist um, is that this woman who owns the house, she had to physically put up a gate because she had people going, stealing rocks from really? her front yard, selling on eBay. There's an episode where Walter throws a pizza up on the roof, mm-hmm. and they had a tourist coming there and trying to recreate that Chicken scene. Chicken pizzas? Yeah, and so Vince Gilligan had to go on NPR, you know, on different podcasts, and like, listen, I love that you guys are excited about Breaking Bad, but you have to stop doing this. Stop throwing pizzas on this lady's roof. But she's part of the tour, so she gets some kickback with the RV tour, and they stop at her house, but um, yeah, it's insane. So you did research there Mm -hmm. on Breaking Bad-induced tourism. Have you done research in other places on other types of film-induced tourism? Um, And where did you do those, and... Yep. What, are, what were they all about? Like, what are you looking for when you do research on this type of tourism? Just like any good quality researcher, it depends. Um, so my first uh, research, I guess, project you can call it was during my master's. So I did my thesis around the Annie Griffith show. 
Oh, so we're talking Mayberry. Mayberry. Yeah. So this is a fun example. Um, so Annie Griffith is from Mount Airy, North Carolina, which is a real place, right? Okay. Um, during the 70s, 80s, um, their economy just started to tank. A lot of the industry left. Um, and so they looked at tourism to try to increase their revenue. Um, like, well, what do we have here? Well, Annie Griffith is from here. Let's recreate Mayberry. So they uh, redid the, comp- the downtown district to mirror the fictional town of Mayberry. Their official web- website is visitmayberry.com. No way. Not Mount Airy. Really? So they held a festival there called the Mayberry Days Festival. So I did some surveys and participant observation. Um, so that was my thesis work was on um, Mount Airy and Mayberry. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, I worked with, with Derek Alderman, and we explored just the, the social cultural elements of it. You know, how do the um, African-American and black people within Mount Airy feel about their town being marketed and branded to Mayberry, which is a very 1950s white um, television show where mm-hmm. there were no black characters. There was one maybe in the background, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a real issue with drugs in the town. They have some crime as well. So they're really trying to brand themselves as this Mayberry place, but it's Where not. everything's perfect. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, so that was my first project. Um, I'm doing some other stuff right now. Um, went to the Dirty Dancing Festival, so looking at film-induced festivals. And where is that? So that's held in Lake Lure, North Carolina. And is that where the movie was filmed? Parts of it. Okay. So um, parts of it were filmed there, and the other parts were in Virginia. Now, what's really interesting is that there's a lake. So part of this festival, there's a lake lifting competition, just like the movie. <laughs> but Pete, they still uh, state that that's where baby was held you know that's where they were practicing their lake lift it was never filmed there it was actually filmed Mm. in virginia and the lakes dried up but they still claim that it was there so that people flocked to do this interesting so a little bit of dishonesty in their marketing there's a lot of inauthenticity within film and tourism and is that i mean is that one of well i guess what are the what are the big findings in is that is that something you're looking for or you just sort of found that well i found that too um I was a serendipitous film tourist when I was out in Colorado and um, Estes Park and the Stanley Hotel. People think that The Shining was filmed there, but it was never filmed there. It was filmed out in Oregon. Mm. Uh, so uh, Stephen King got his inspiration for the book and the film from staying at the hotel, but it was okay. never filmed there. Dumb and Dumber was filmed there, and parts of an ABC miniseries was filmed there for The okay. Shining. I could keep going on, but not. Wait, the, that's the like where in Dumb and Dumber when he's like sitting in the bar and he sees the sun. We landed on, on the moon. moon. I did. I recreated that scene. Yes. <laughs> do scene. they have it up? No, they don't have it. Oh up. man. Yeah. yeah, but they hope so. They hold tours, so they do. Uh, so it's dark tourism with film tourism. They do ghost tours with film tours. Um, really? Yes, they make buttloads of money. Uh, even to park, you have to pay to park there. They also, we had, or they had tourists thinking that it was filmed there. It was never really filmed there. So they were looking for the maze from The Shining. So the hotel built and recreated this maze so that tourists um, aren't disappointed. So this is big business. Big business. Like, what are we talking in the scale of, of film tourism, like in the U.S. or worldwide? Do you know any... I'm not sure of like it's, it is hard to measure um, economically speaking, but I know that New Zealand has measured it, and I can't give you the exact number, but it's in the billions in terms of 
um, tourists are flocking to New Zealand because of Lord of the Rings and well, the Hobbit. Well, that's why I was getting, we've we've talked for almost twenty minutes now, and we have not yet once mentioned the Lord of the Rings, which I feel Here like we is go. <laughs> probably what everybody thinks about. Yes. Yes, um, that's the number one destination for film and news tourism. It is. You uh, have Air New Zealand, which has these incredible safety videos that they've included actors from The Hobbit and really YouTube it. It's or Google it. It's awesome. I show it in my class. Um, and also, when you go into New Zealand, you get your passport stamp and it says "Welcome to Middle Earth." No, it doesn't. This is like this is. I feel like those movies have totally transformed New Zealand's tourism industry. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, prior to yeah, Lord of the Rings, people visited New Zealand. There's a ton of great stuff to see. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful country. There's great cities. But since the films, I mean, it's totally different. Yeah. I mean, even the, how do you, they, yeah, changed their, Town. they changed their passport stamp for yeah. God's sakes. Yeah. So, I mean, that was something that a colleague of mine asked, you know, well, how do you know which movie is going to do this or not? Like, you can't. You can't predict that. Is um, it just a culture thing? Like, do you need a rabid fan base for this to happen? Or is it just when it reaches a certain critical mass and enough people love something, then then it becomes a thing? It's a great question. I don't know. You know? I mean, I am a huge Breaking Bad fan, and I went out of my way to go and do this research project, but also just because I wanted to go see Albuquerque because of the Breaking Bad locations and to recreate it. So I think it's just really dependent. I think a lot of it has to do with nostalgia too. I think that's where a lot of um, Mayberry Days and just the Annie Griffith show, it's nostalgic of growing of the childhood, um, the good old days, whatever that may look like. But Which might not be good for other populations. Exactly. And that's uh, what we were exploring. Who aren't like you, I guess. Yes. That was something that was of interest too. But uh yeah, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of money to be made, but it's also important to do it responsibly. And so with New Zealand, they did a really good job in terms of including residents um, in, in terms of the film, but also making sure that um, they're not infringing on people's private property and stuff like that. So you just want to be careful. So this is like this is an intentional thing for New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you said they did a good job. Mm-hmm. They included residents in their development of this tourism product and so do you know are people generally happy with being a very popular tourism destination based on lord of the rings from what i've read yes okay Um, they are still seeing and i don't know how sustainable it's going to be but they're still seeing a sufficient amount of uh, money coming in it's Mm -hmm. done pretty um uh, pretty well you know in terms of trying to balance the amount of tourists that are coming in but, um, but for other places like Mayberry, where you've done some research, it sounds like maybe not the case. Mm-hmm. So do you think it, it matters how film tourism is developed in yeah. terms of the impacts that it has on the people who live there? Yeah, definitely. And you have to think about environmentally, too. So there was um, just recently, well, the, the film The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah, in Thailand. Yeah. I so was just reading an article. They shut it down. They shut it down. Yeah. So in order for that to be filmed, they had to bulldoze a lot of the beach and the, the original vegetation there, which is crazy because Leonardo DiCaprio is such like a big environmentalist. Um, but that was an issue, one, environmental degradation there. But um, two, yeah, they just recently shut it down uh, for the time being because too many tourists were coming. I mean, are there a lot of, would you say, the preponderance of film tourism destinations are more man-made? Or is it an even split between, like, man-made and natural yeah, settings? That's another great question. It, um, it 
depends. You know, yeah. there's, there's, it goes both ways. I mean, you have like recreated uh, spaces like with Universal Studios and Disney World mm-hmm. with Harry Potter and um, Simpsons Land even. So you have these uh, recreated uh, actual locations for film tourism. Um, but then you think of, so we're doing some research on this moving forward, but um, Black Panther, that just you know, mm-hmm. a big box, box office hit. You have a fictional place of Wakanda, but it's set in Africa. So we're seeing a lot of roots tourism promoting the real Wakanda. Really? So this kind of mirror, this like bridge of both fictional and non-fictional coming together and attract, it's, it's, there's so much there. Yeah, the lines are very blurred. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's not a real place. Um, most of it was actually filmed in Atlanta where the Marvel Studios is, but... So what places are marketing themselves as the real Wakanda? Are there countries that are doing it there more are than others? There countries I haven't explored okay. really in depth yet, but that's something that we're really interested in. Like, so exactly. So where is the real Wakanda, um, and who's profiting from the real Wakanda? Yeah, um, which is always my question. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm a person who's really into a show mm-hmm. or a movie or something. Mm-hmm. What are your recommendations for somebody who is interested in being a film tourist? How do I? How am I an intelligent film tourist? Like, how am I a good citizen of the film tourism realm? Yeah. So what I suggest is you look up to see, like, just even for example, um, I have another funny. Can I do another funny example yeah, before absolutely. we get to that question? Okay. Uh, are you a fan of Step Brothers? Absolutely. You know the Catalina wine mixer. Yeah. There's a real. Catalina wine mixer on Catalina Island in California. Was that developed before or after? After the movie. So they developed the wine mixer after the movie came out. Yes. Get out of town. I'm nodding my head for those viewers who can't see me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, that just blew my mind. So that was just a fun example. But so like if you are interested in, you know, I just saw this movie or even a Little Big Lies, I think on HBO, it was filmed in parts of California. They're getting a lot of tourists visiting those areas. So you look it up because it's so pretty, right? So, oh, so where was this filmed? Uh, so look it up to see where it was filmed and then check out that destination's DMO, um, their website or CVB to see one, if they have any actual tours or um, guides that you can kind of um, follow to see those filming locations. That's a responsible way to do it. Um, there's also just like by Googling, you know, Breaking Bad tours or whatever, you'll find other um, man-made or tourist-made places mm-hmm. that you can explore. But uh, respect people's property. Don't cross that boundary. I mean, just, right, like don't be throwing pizzas on yeah, people's roofs. Yeah, think about like what if you were in their shoes, you know, like just don't be that tourist. Um, I would also suggest, uh, you know, if you're going to be recreating a scene, just make sure that you are doing it um, responsibly, uh, make sure it doesn't endanger yourself or anyone else around you. Don't be hanging off a cliff or something, you know, um, that actually has been happening a lot with the movie wild. Uh, they're having a lot of really novice hikers wanting the, to recreate. And that was on the, the Appalachian PCT, trail, right? It's PCT, the Pacific. Oh, Pacific yeah, Press trail. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, if you're going to do something like that, you're not the person from Wild, right? So just yeah. prepare, um, make sure, maybe go out with a guide and you can, yeah, participate in some of these activities, but participate it responsibly. And so it sounds like that will maybe limit the impacts you have on the people who live there, on the environment, on mm-hmm. 
the community, because that's ultimately, I think a lot of, of the research that I've read of you and other people in this area is it's all about understanding how these film tourism sites are interacting with the community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then there's like, even I'm all about just making like giving back to the community in general. So, I mean, if it's like a mass populated spot or mass tourist, uh, uh, I'm just thinking like the RV tour, for example, Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't as impressed with that. I thought it was just really cheesy and not intimate, but like the bicycle tour, yes, I'm an able-bodied person. So I was able to do that. But um, I thought it was just more of, I felt more of a, like a local, there wasn't any marketing components on our helmets or anything like mm. that. So people were asking us for directions. It just felt more like I was part of the community than a tourist of the community. And that goes back to your first question in terms of how I like to travel. I want to feel like I'm part of the community. So um, being a film tourist, but not not that anyone could recognize I'm a film tourist, <laughs> if that makes sense. That's your, that's your style? That's is... the M.O. Yeah. Like a local? Like a local, yes. Seems to be a theme in a lot of the travel researchers that I've interviewed is, I, I wonder if our research affects the way that we travel ourselves. Oh, yeah. Although I do know some some travel researchers who are like, give me the fanny pack camera around the neck and mm-hmm. the, the Mickey Mouse hat. The mass tourist. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, was it? And psycho- there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, psychocentric, allocentric. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you, you do what makes you happy. And for me, sure. it was also when I was in Albuquerque, I went into some of these smaller, like, art stores. And what was really cool, in going back to Breaking Bad, um, it was the, the Dia de la Muerta kind of vibe in there, mm-hmm. the Santeria. And they, uh, so part part of film-induced tourism is dependent on each state, you can get tax breaks and tax incentives. Mm, okay. So with Albuquerque, within the state of Mexico, New Mexico, if you're filming there, you have to employ local companies for the first two years. Interesting. So that's why they had the, the Candy Lady and other um, companies. Uh, so it's going back into the community. And one of the art dealers there, he helped to set up the uh, scene where it was a Santeria uh, candles with the two Mexican uh, cousins with the crazy shoes, mm-hmm. the really mean guys. Yeah. So he set all that up to be authentic. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, it just depends on... That's cool that states do that. Yeah. Or, I mean, smart of them economically, but yeah. also good for the people. Yeah, and that's why we have a lot of people or a lot of film now in Georgia, in North Carolina. Another fun thing... I could just keep going. But another thing, fun thing about Georgia... And with Walking Dead, so the Walking Dead's film there. Mm-hmm. And um, they were trying to pass, uh, like, HB2 law, like what happened in North Carolina with mm-hmm. the transgender bathrooms. And the power of Walking Dead filming in Atlanta, they said, if you are going to pass this law, we are no longer going to film Walking Dead here. Really? And so the law was passed. So a little bit of social activism from uh, filming companies. Yeah. Interesting. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing how much power that sort of wields over decision makers. Yep. Um, so very fascinating. Yeah. Well, Stephanie, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. This has been uh, yeah. enlightening and <laughs> a really interesting area of tourism that I think is only going to grow as there's more and more shows filmed in more and more places. Yeah, thank you. 